You're listening to Sermon Cast Media from Antioch Community Church in Wichita, Kansas. For more of our sermons, resources, or to support this ministry financially, see our website at antiochwichita.org. So, on the simple things today, um, we're going to be talking about gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. Gratitude. Uh, Something that is overlooked uh, much in my life. I don't know about you, but if you're a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of person, or if you're a shattered glass person, anyone a shattered glass? You're so pessimistic, you don't even have a glass. Anyone? (laughs) Stupid glass. Anyway, you're my people if that's you. Uh, uh, But... uh, but gratitude is something um, that's kind of been overlooked in my life. And uh, I've found other mentors and men of God that I know that, that are very grateful. And there's just something about their countenance and their demeanor that inspires me and, and pulls my heart towards them. So I'm so thankful for, what am I thankful for? This isn't Thanksgiving time, but it's almost like we can give thanks to God when it's not Thanksgiving time. Amen. So I'm thankful for you guys, thankful for our families, thankful for all that God has done uh, in the house. And, um, and the question is, is it a big deal to Jesus if we have hearts of gratitude or not? And is there some kind of scripture that points out Jesus's response to people's gratitude or not? I say yay. Everybody open your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Who's got their paper Bibles? Yes. We're growing in numbers. We've doubled. You should all bring your paper Bibles. I forgot. He forgot. That's all right. Intent is half the battle. So I keep telling my wife anyway. Luke 17, 11 through 19. It's an interesting text here. We see a Jesus story that a lot of people knows, and we're not just there's 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 not depths you can pull out of this thing besides just the reality of what it says. And so it says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Master Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice and he fell on his Jesus's face at, he fell on his face at Jesus's feet giving him thanks now he was a samaritan then Jesus answered were not 10 cleansed where are the nine was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner and he said to him rise and go your way your faith has made you well our big idea for today is this is that Jesus is looking for those who he has healed, who he has set free, who have desperately thankful hearts. Like he's looking. Um, He pays attention. Jesus takes note when we have thankfulness in our hearts for the things he's done. So we're just going to tear into this verse a little bit. We see in verse 11 and 10, as he's passing along his way into Samaria and Galilee, he enters a village and he was met by the 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Let's talk about lepers for a minute. Um, Everybody say, I don't want to be a leper. Amen. That's a good thing to say. What is leprosy? Just going to read some things here. Leprosy is a skin disease causing skin tissues to degenerate and disfiguring the body, sometimes literal 
parts of the bodies could fall off, fingertips, noses, ears, because uh, sin, I mean, not because sin, because, because the disease was eating away at skin. Um, God had given the Israelites some very specific instructions on how to deal with leprosy and skin conditions. conditions. You can read in Leviticus 13. Anyone suspected of having this disease had to go to the priest for an evaluation. Uh, and if they're found to be infected, if the priest finds them to be infected, uh, this leprous person who had this disease has to wear torn clothes. Talk about this for an for, for outfit. Wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, everywhere he goes. So you've got the fashion ensemble. You've got the hair going. You've got the finger over the lip, and you have to you have to yell out "unclean" everywhere you go, so everybody knows that you have leprosy. Okay, uh, in the scriptures, Leviticus thirteen forty six says, "He shall remain unclean as long as he has this disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling place should be outside the camp." Um, and then in the book of Numbers, it says Numbers five two it says, "Command the people of Israel that they put out the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge." And everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. So the leper was considered utterly unclean physically and spiritually. Incurable, my man. Uh, people believe that God inflicted the curse of leprosy on people for the sins they committed. They believe that in the Old Testament. Uh, among the 61 defilements, there's 61 defilements in the scriptures. Um, <clears throat> of ancient Jewish law, and leprosy was only second to a dead body. So in Jewish culture, being next to a dead body with outside of the burial process and the wrapping and the whole <laughs> thing, you know what I'm saying? The wrapping of the body, the preparing the burial, preparing for death. Um, the leprosy, uh, leprosy was the second most disgusting defilement you can be uh, in, in all of um, God's people in Israel. Um, a leper wasn't allowed six feet from any other human. And if the wind was blowing, he wasn't allowed to come 150 feet close to anybody. And so six feet on a nice day in Kansas, that means you'll never get closer than 150 feet to anybody. And so there's this, 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 this is horrible. Uh, lepers um, lived in a community with other lepers until they either got better or they died. And this was the only way they knew how to contain the spread of leprosy was leaving them outside of the camp. And so you really have to stop and imagine what kind of life this was. Nobody wanted you. Nobody wanted you around. Even the people that loved you um, at one time were now at a distance and you were like, you're essentially walking dead to them. You were seen as vile and disgusting. Um, and you were essentially rotting to death. Your flesh was rotting. And they were desperate, desperate, desperate people, desperate for healing. Everybody tracking with me? So it sucks to be a leper. And so one of the loneliest conditions you can think of uh, in, in all of humanity, to have your flesh rotting, your, you, you know, your body deteriorating, and not allowed to be around anybody unless they look like you. So brokenness. In verse 13, the scripture goes on to say, they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, they'd obviously heard of Jesus' healing power before, uh, and they were waiting on him in pure desperation. Uh, they also had a kind of faith because they cried out to Jesus, so we know they had some kind of faith that he can heal. And I think, I think about this for a minute. I think we watered down the significance of desperation. 
Everybody know what I'm talking about? We water down the significance of desperation. All throughout Scripture, you see great desperation from the Lord's people. You see it in people in Israel cried out in their desperation as they were in Egypt. Uh, the Israelites, when they were in captivity in Egypt, the woman caught in adultery, she's in complete desperation. She's worthy to be murdered. She's at the mercy of the feet of Jesus. We see uh, the woman who was bleeding for 12 years. She's desperate. She's seen doctors. She's been all over the place to try to get healing. P women who were, were bleeding uh, also had rules where they had to stay away from everybody during their cycles and stuff. And so this woman bled for 12 years and nothing Nothing could heal her. Nothing could stop it. So she got so desperate, she sneaks up through a crowd to Jesus um, and, and touches the garment, his garment, just touches the, the, the hinge, just a little piece of his robe and healing came out of him into her and healed her. She was desperate. Um, here's what I believe. Godly desperation is the product of a heart that is poor in spirit. We look in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the king theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not blessed are the arrogant. Not blessed are the sure of themselves. Not blessed are them who are financially secure. Not blessed are the yada yada, fill in the blanks. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are spiritually bankrupt. That's what it means to be a believer, is that you are spiritually bankrupt. And then you say, well, that doesn't sound very encouraging. Well, say, no, it's not, because in your flesh, you're not a very encouraging unit. I don't know why I called you a unit. But in our flesh, on our own, we are, sorry, we are nothing. But here's, here's what the scripture says. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the spiritually bankrupt. When we are spiritually bankrupt, there's a blessing in it, the kingdom of heaven. Why? Why does that make sense? Because, and we've talked about this for years, because it means that I'm desperate. I'm at the end of my rope. I can't save myself. I can't fix myself. I can't heal myself. I can't find salvation for myself. The only one who can is Jesus, and that only comes at the bottom of a barrel of desperation. Amen? Amen. If, we if we've never had a moment of desperation with Jesus, maybe we truly don't understand how desperate we are without him and need him to move in our lives. This is what I believe, that we've got churches full of people that are not saved. We have churches full of people that are not saved because Jesus to them is a religious, ceremonial um, mentality that comes with good thoughts, good thinking, but the real anthem of the real saved the real saved are, I can't do this. I can't do it anymore. I'm a sinner. God, help me. I'm desperate for you. If you've never had a moment of desperation with Jesus, you need to ask yourself why. Because desperation is the doorway to the kingdom come. Because his will's done in, on, on, in your heart as it is in heaven. Amen? And another battle in our walks we have, as I was thinking about this, is we lose desperation sometimes that we once had, right? We get into rhythms, we get busy, we're in church, we're serving, we're pastors, elders, ministry leaders, whatever it is, we begin to forget about how desperate we were and how desperately we need to stay desperate, amen? 
we get in our Christian rhythms and we're like, yeah, 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 we're doing it and God loves me. And we start to take for granted that the only way in this place was on our face. And the, listen, the only way it happens is you stay on your face. Desperation is a doorway. Desperation is a good thing. Desperation is on point. When we lose our desperation, we can lose our heart of gratitude. Think about it. When was the last time you were so overwhelmed, so overwhelmed with your humanity that you just cried out to Jesus instead of saying, woe is me, I suck. You said, God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for being enough. Thank you, Jesus. I was, I was once was lost, but now I'm, I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Amen? When we lose our desperation, we can lose our heart of gratitude. It's another thing. They were united as you look at these lepers. Um, they were united in their, their desperation and suffering as they called out to Jesus. Barclay, when Barclay has this quote, he says, a common misfortune had broken down the racial and national barriers. In the common tragedy of their leprosy, they had forgotten that they were Jews and Samaritans and remembered only that they were men in need. Think about it for a minute. Um, things like racism and division and a lack of unity in the church, honestly, is one of the most unfathomable, stupid things I can think of. Because to be a believer in Christ Jesus is to be someone that knows I am defiled, I am unclean, I am dirty, and the only thing that can save me is Jesus. Not me, not my whiteness, not my brownness, not my thoughts about how I think the government should run. Jesus and Jesus alone is the unifier. Sin is a unifier. Jesus is a unifier. Amen? So these guys, they were one of the nine of them. We believe, obviously, that they're that they're Jews and they, because they point out this one guy is a Samaritan. Samaritans are hated, treated like dogs. They're half breeds to the Israelites. No one loved them, but in this thing, they were all in one camp because they had nothing. If there is a, a, a rhyme or reason or, or an anthem for the church, that's us. Bunch of lepers stuck in one place, only healed by one God, having everything in common because our headship is in common. Amen? Amen. Verse 14 says this. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, Jesus has had mercy on lepers already. If you look back in Luke chapter 5, 12 through 13, it says this. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he, when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, can you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. This time, Jesus, if you see like one point, like healing the blind. One moment, Jesus is like, you know, touch somebody and they'll be healed. Another minute, he takes some dirt and spits and makes some, makes some mud, right? And puts it on this guy's eyes. Like Jesus doesn't ever, doesn't seem to like heal and do the same thing every time. Like he does miraculous times. So this other time he puts his hand on this leper, just says, I will. And the guy's healed. This time he tells these 10 leopards to get up and go show themselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. Um, Jesus is keeping with Mosaic law. 
the only person that can declare somebody to be clean when they were unclean is to go to the priest and have the priest clean. And can you imagine the priest got these 10 leper guys that are walking in that you know, you diagnosed them as being lepers and unclean and filthy and all 10 of them come running in. Hey, right? Can you just, if you just imagine that for a minute? I, I can't even imagine what their thoughts were. But here's the thing. Here's something that's interesting is that this is like, as they went, everybody say, as they went, they were healed. Jesus was teaching them something in obedience, okay? Their faith and obedient um, component here. Um, there's healing in obedience. Can I say that again? There's healing in obedience. Uh, Morrison, theologian Morrison said, the one condition of healing was obedience. Ordered, they must obey. If he was master, as they had cried he was, then let them prove their faith by their obedience. Um, and Jesus has something in the journey for all of us. Um, I know there's a lot of people where we just, we don't, some of you are waiting, some of us are waiting around for something to happen first before you actually get up and start moving towards Jesus. You're waiting for a healing. You're waiting on a, a breakthrough. You're waiting. It's like you're waiting on God, not like you're throwing a tantrum. Maybe some of you are throwing a tantrum. I don't know. Uh, but just waiting on him to move. But here's the, here's the part that we find in the scriptures over and over again. Just like in the Great Commission, lo, I will be with you to the very end of the age. As you go, there's healing. Amen? This year, the last year that we had was uh, enormously rough. And uh, again, I don't want to dwell on it too much anymore. I'm kind of tired of talking about it. But um, um, this year is a new year. Amen? Jesus was on the move in the hard times as well as he as well in the good times. Amen. But um, I, I kept wanting, I kept asking Jesus to take the pain away. Like, Jesus, can you please stop this? God, can you stop this? Can you heal this? Can you heal this? Lord, will you come? And I just felt like the Lord says, no, I'm working healing, but you've got to get up and you've got to go. You've got to keep moving forward. As you move forward in faith, walking towards Jesus, whether you're a new believer or you've been walking with the Lord for 20 or 30 years, wherever you're at, we need to be walking in obedience towards him. Jesus tells the lepers, go and show yourselves to the priest and you'll be healed. On their way, they're healed. Where are you going? Where is Jesus taking you? Where is he leading? Are you being faithful with the next simple thing that he has in front of you? Because the healing doesn't just happen this is, this is the preconceived notion. Jesus comes, I need him to do all this stuff, and once I have all this stuff, then I can keep moving. Some of you do that with your salvation. Well, if God would only explain to me dinosaurs and everything, then I could fully understand. I could fully understand, and then when I fully understand, then I can come to Jesus. That's just a lie. That's a myth from the enemy. The point is, you operate on faith, whatever faith you have, wherever level you're at, and you respond, yes, Lord, and you move in obedience, you surrender your life to Jesus. Surrender your life to Jesus again for the hundredth time. And as you go, there's healing. Listen, I am still a busted man. I don't want to shock anybody. But I am not where I used to be. Amen? The only way that God heals has been healing me is on the journey. And on the journey is where there's healing. Stop waiting around for a genie to come out of a bottle. Amen? 
As we step out in faith and obedience, marriages are healed. Well, what do you mean? I want my marriage to be healed. Well, guess what? What's the next thing Jesus is calling you to? Is it more devotion to him? Is it to be a man or woman of prayer? Is it to be a man or woman that's giving? Is it just to shut your mouth in Jesus' name? That's a holy thing. Amen? Glory! Glory! Hey! I hope that wasn't geared at me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jen might tag in with you on that one. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Um, but your marriage gets healed not by you being frustrated and overthinking it all the time. What happens when you overthink a frustrating situation? It gets better. Never. Right? Never. The more I let people know that I'm ticked off about this ticked off situation, it gets better. No. The more you grow closer to Jesus... The more you let go of your grip on the things that you think you can fix, but you can't, and the more that he comes in and fills the gaps, right? Families are restored as you go. Addictions can be overcome as you go, and healing can happen as you go. These guys were cleansed, amen? Can we just stop for a minute and acknowledge how powerful Jesus is? Amen. Gosh, like you're seeing, I mean, Jesus just tells these lepers, nobodies, filth of the earth kind of people living out by the, by the garbage, uh, away from everybody, walking around like this all the time, saying unclean. Jesus just tells them to move and he heals them. And that just reminds me that there's not a single thing that Jesus cannot speak into in a moment and change, right? There's not a single thing Jesus can't speak into and bring healing and overcome and heal families and, and heal hearts and heal bodies. Now, some people will be like, why doesn't he? Because there's something in the journey. Sometimes he heals people right away. Sometimes you're going to be healed in heaven. Sometimes you're going to be healed along the way 10 years from now. I don't know. I'm not the sovereign God of heaven, but I trust the sovereign God of heaven. Amen? They were cleansed and Jesus cleansed them. Verse 15 says, then one of them, say one. Then one of them, when he saw that, Jesus, that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on, on, Jesus's, on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. <laughs> Do you think that's any, like, any, any um, uh, a mistake that they keep mentioning he was a Samaritan? He was a Samaritan. Hey, what was that guy? Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. What was that guy? Um, and he comes back, and the Samaritan comes back to the only, gosh, what I would think is the only acceptable posture um, when Jesus moves and heals, and that's, that's bowed in reverence and praise. Bowed in reverence and praise. The only response to a move of God in our desperation is celebration and humility. Amen? Like he comes back and he's just undone and he's shouting praises and he comes in low and he puts his face to the feet of Jesus and it makes me wonder and ask myself, when was the last time I was so overwhelmed, I was so desperate for a healing and Jesus did something that I got so desperate for him, I was so overwhelmed that my face was at his feet. When was the last time you got a scent of the feet of Jesus because your face was in prostrate with your body because he healed you, because he moved, because he did a thing, because he let you breathe. Amen? Verse 17, then Jesus answered, were not 10 clean, cleansed? <laughs> Where are the nine? I love, you know, I know that um, 
Sarcasm, they talk about sarcasm is in the Bible, sin, being sinful, they talk about sarcasm, but there's places where like Paul, sarcastic, we've been reading through in house church and studying the book of Job, you know, like God's like sarcastic with, God is sarcastic with Job, I mean, he really is, he's like, where were you when I set the world in order, were you there, you know what I mean, like you can just, I don't know if it's with that tone, he's, he's, the, he's the God of heaven, you know what I mean, but Jesus kind of does that, and he says, we're not ten cleansed. Like, Jesus doesn't know the answer to that. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? So listen, 10 came and got healing. Only one came back. 10 had new lives, totally restored. Only one came back. 10 were no longer ostracized and alone, but only one came back. And here's something to see as we read in the scripture. It's just simple. Jesus took note of the one who came back. Like he responds to those who come back. He responds to those who come to his feet on their face with gratitude out of their desperation. And Jesus, Jesus notices, Spurgeon says this, old Spurgey baby, all ten were willing to do a religious ceremony, that is, go to the priest. Only one was filled with true praise and thanksgiving. External religious exercises are easy enough and common enough, but the internal matter, the drawing out of the heart is thankful love, how scarce a thing it is. Nine obey ritual where only one praises the Lord. And here is why this is so important for us. We're not lepers, but in the scriptures, sin and leprosy go together. Sin is known as the great leprosy of man. Uh, the main reason why leprosy is talked about so much in the Bible is it's a graphic illustration of sin's destructive power. In ancient Israel, leprosy was a powerful object lesson of the debilitating influence of sin in a person's life. Because of our sin, we've all been unclean. Amen? And that was a big deal. We were separated from God. Separated, not just six feet. We were eternally separated from God. And the only way that we came back in the presence of God is by the blood of Jesus and his healing power on the cross. Amen? Every time Jesus comes and delivers us from something, we're cleansed from the leprosy of sin. Amen? Every time he heals you, listen to me, desperate gratitude is a correct response. Every time he moves on your behalf, desperate gratitude is the only response. Every time he's been good to you, desperate gratitude is the correct response. Every dark place he has pulled you out of, we think of this as a salvific thing. Like, yes, he did that that one time. But if you know, if you read the scriptures of everything we're worthy of is death, and through Christ Jesus we get the righteousness of God, every breath I take is a miracle of grace. Right. Every breath I take is a miracle of grace. Every moment you have with your loved ones, if your kids are annoying you or not, they're grace. It's a gift of God. And, and if you think about that, if everything's a gift from God, what should our lives look like? Yes! Yes, Jesus! Thank you, God. 
Thank you, God. It's clear that Jesus is looking for thankful hearts. Amen? Amen. Quote, the depth of our worship is greatly influenced by our understanding and desperation for Jesus and what he has done and all that he is alone able to do. Um, I, I love our worship here. I've always loved our heart of worship, regardless of who's been on the band or who's not been in the band. Um, but but a church, um, a church that doesn't worship, or a church that doesn't worship passionately, if I was going to be honest, I, I tend to question their desperation. Like if I'm not worshiping passionately, like me pointing myself out, me, Rob, if I'm not in love with him and worshiping him passionately, something is wrong with my desperation. I am on solo mode. I'm on cruise control and I'm not at the face, on my face at the feet of Jesus. And that's where I should be. I have spiritual uh, mentors like Papa Joe, the Irish, not the Irishman, the Scotsman. Well, he'd slap me if I said that. <laughs> when he stays at our house, when he comes to visit, uh, Papa Joe, Joe Ewan is a, uh, kind of on the international oversight team of the entire movement. He's also on our oversight team. Uh, we have levels, we have elders, and we have uh, oversight team. He's on our oversight team. And um, everywhere he goes, you'll hear him in my house in the morning. If he's downstairs or he's upstairs, he's like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Everywhere he goes, he's just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm like, well, that's annoying. Think about that. Think about every moment God is worthy of your thanks as you walk around. And what kind, of, what kind of shifts can we make to become wacky people walking around all day long saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. What about in your most hellacious days? Is God still moving? Is he still good? Is he still there? Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being with me, God. There are a lot of us who have been touched and healed by some manner of Jesus. But there are too few of us who come back to his feet and give thanks. And we will not be those people. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, mm-mm. No, you won't. No, you didn't. Uh, just this, just this, this other quote. Sometimes we can have mechanical obedience when we should have the posture of desperate gratitude. And to be honest, I think we've all been both, right? We've been both. We've had our face down at the feet of Jesus, and other times we forget. So the question is, lately, just let me ask you, you don't have to answer this, just answering your spirit. How have you been at coming back to the feet of Jesus with a desperately thankful heart every time he moves in your life? Did God move in your life this week? And did you praise him for it? Did you just get down on your knees or even just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 19 says this, and he said to them, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. It's the end of the text. Uh, it doesn't say, listen, what does it not say? It doesn't say that the other lepers lost their healing doesn't say they lost their blessing. It doesn't say he was ticked off at them. 
what does he say? He, does, he, doesn't even, he doesn't even mention them. He says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. It doesn't say that the others were lost, lost the healing or that he was going to punish them. But this one guy who came back got an extra blessing of the Lord. He got an extra word from the Lord. And we can live our lives, um, excuse me, uh, pardon me, indigestion. We can live a life receiving the grace of God and missing the point of grace the point is exaltation of Jesus. You know what happens when you come back to your face and you get down on your face at the feet of Jesus? Jesus is glorified. The purpose of your life, listen, the purpose of your life, every single one of you, I don't care who you are, is the glorification of Jesus. We were created to glorify the Lord. We weren't just created for fellowship. God didn't need a, a, a bocce ball partner, right? He wasn't lonely, right? We, we know this. God created humankind to glorify his name. And when we worship him, this guy came back and glorified Jesus. He had the only proper response. And people can walk around getting the grace and healing of Jesus and miss it. That is the point of this whole story, is that not a ten were healed, one came back. They were healed, only one had the heart of gratitude. Which person do we want to be? They went to temple, they got cleansed ceremoniously, they went on with their lives, they were probably thankful, but they didn't bring it back to the feet of the one who did it. And we have that, we have that opportunity every day, every blessing. Amen? So just wrote down a few things um, just to keep common um, that's, that's without question if you're wondering about gratitude. Number one is we're called to be a people of gratitude. If you look through the scripture, Psalms 100 verse 4, Enter his gates with moaning and groaning and griping about the coffee. <laughs> i got to go to church again. Oh. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Psalms 136 verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. There is all the fuel in the world. Listen, there's all the fuel in the world to be grateful night and day. Amen? Second one is we've got to slow down and be grateful on purpose. Everybody like, take a deep breath and exhale. Gratitude is not just going to fly in muscle memory. You hear what I'm saying? You know, just get a blessing, you know, something and God comes, heals, God does something. And it's just, it's not because your flesh is in contrary to what's going on in the spirit, Right? You've got to slow down and stop. This is why daily devotion, daily time of thanks. If you have a, a prayer list, writing down a prayer list, I always start on my prayer list with praise. Like here's the thing, like I'm thankful for Jen didn't throw me to the curb like she should have 10 years ago kind of thing. You know what I mean? God, I'm thankful for your grace. Thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for, for Kimmy. I'm thankful for all of these things, right? Because I have to start that way. I've got to do it on purpose. Sometimes it's hard for me to fill the list. Is that stupid? That's dumb. Like, I got to think, oh, I said that one yesterday. Matt, your thing about doing the five things I'm thankful for and you can't repeat them the next day, I think that's genius. Let me, let me, do, let me give you the Magnuson challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Write down five things every day you're thankful for for a month and don't repeat it once. <laughs> we got to lead our hearts and be on purpose. Psalms 103, we've studied this text last year in depth. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Like literally this verse is saying, tell your soul to bless the Lord. Bless him. Like telling yourself, making sure your brain knows, your soul knows, bless the Lord, oh my soul. It's not like bless the Lord. It's like, hey, bless him. He's worthy to be praised. He's the one that renews my youth. He's the one that renews my strength, heals all of my diseases. Bless him. Daily rhythms of thankfulness. There's another one. Realize that gratitude changes us from the inside out. I have never met a miserable, grateful person. <laughs> have you? I've never met a miserable, grateful person. <laughs> like gratitude, here's the thing about gratitude. You being grateful doesn't mean all of a sudden there are things around to be grateful for. You being grateful means you're just paying attention. There's always things to be grateful for, and it does something. As you take notice, what does the scripture say about when we keep our eyes focused on heaven, right? When we focus on Jesus, what happens? Like, like, like something happens in your hearts where if you're like, well, I've told God thanks before and won the big deal. Well, guess what? If you had a heart of gratitude every day, guess what? You're starting to notice the blessings instead of the, of the mishaps, right? You're purposely looking for things that bless you that you should bless him for when you are trying to get ammo and you're five for 30 with Matt. Amen. It changes your heart from the inside out. Say this. I've never met a miserable, grateful person. Is that true or not? What would a miserable, grateful person look like? Yeah, I'm thankful, God. Always blessing me. Some of, some of us act that way sometimes. <laughs> uh, here's another one, just a couple left. Uh, we got to give gratitude in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God, Jesus Christ, for you. Um, how good is God on a mountaintop? How good is God in hell on earth? He's good. Matter of fact, you don't get to different levels of the goodness of God without being on hell on earth sometimes. Because when you're in desperation, one of your worst moments, those seem to be the moments that Jesus responds the most. Or he comes in and he wraps us up and picks us up and we might be flailing and kicking like, why me? Why this? Why that? And Jesus just comes in and he grabs us and holds us. And you've got to give him thanks. It's one thing to give him thanks when things are good. It, it is an absolute have to when things are horrible. Because listen, if I'm going through hell on earth or something going on, but I force myself to bless the Lord, thank you, God, that you're with me. Thank you, God, that... Man, I feel like I'm alone, but I know your scriptures say I'm not alone. I feel your presence. You're with me. It starts to shift the atmosphere of the thing, right? It starts to change your heart and perspective in what's going on. And um, Matthew Henry, famous Bible commentator, was robbed of his wallet once. Imagine how horrible that is. I laugh if someone steals my wallet. 
There ain't nothing in there except receipts and maxed out, brother. Ha <laughs> ha! Sorry. And he wrote in his diary that night after he'd gotten his wallet stolen. He said, first, he's thankful that he'd never been robbed before. Second, he was thankful that they took his wallet, but they didn't take his life. Third, he was thankful that even though they took it all, it wasn't very much anyway. And finally, he was thankful because he was the one who was robbed and not the one who did the robbing. That was his prayer that night. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and last but not least, um, gratitude is spiritual warfare. Gosh, you want to know how much it ticks off the enemy when you in the middle of a trial could sit there and pray, Scott? Do you know when the church worships, there has to be like spikes through the heart of the enemy because we are giving God his due? right? We're worshiping him through stuff, no matter what the, imagine, no matter what he throws at you over and over and over and over again, you may get knocked down, but you stand back up and say, thank you, Jesus. What does that do? It's spiritual warfare. Tyson, don't get me singing songs. I almost did it to you. Um, this proclamation, no enemy, I'm not going to lower my head and focus on all the wrong things. I'm going to worship and thank Jesus for all he is doing and all he is. When was the last time you found yourself face to face with the sandals of Jesus, the feet of Jesus? When was the last time that your desperation drove you to gratitude. And if it's been a while, guess what? Okay, there's grace. But guess what? God is calling you to be a person of praise and thankful heart. Every single one of us. And if you're like, well, I'm a glass half full, I'm a glass shattered person. Um, no, you're not. Actually, that might be in a persona you had before, but the Bible says that you are the righteousness of Christ, that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You know, if you, you know what I mean? If, well, I'm not a very external person. All those things are just, when it comes down to it, can be excuses because Jesus says we're a new creation and he says that he's doing a new thing in us, amen? And so you actually can be someone who's thankful. It's possible. You're like the God of, the God of quasars and anteaters, right? He could change anything in the moment. He can tear the veil. He can't change my crappy attitude. That's a lie. That's a lie. He can sway your heart to be someone that's thankful and speaks life. Amen? We're going to go into a time of worship. Let me do the cue the band kind of thing, whatever pastors do. We used to have a pastor that would take his notes, put them in his Bible, and that was the cue to, uh, for the band to start coming up. So let me... It goes so slow. Well, it's not an emergency. They know it's slow. But we're going to go to a time of worship this morning. And if we could just, it's just, again, no fancy words. If you care about what I just preached about and what God's word says, when was the last time you found yourself grateful in, out of your desperation? Like, you know, you, couldn't, you can't fix your marriage. You're grateful that you belong to the one who can. You can't fix your kids. You belong to the one who can. You don't know how you're going to make ends meet. You belong to the one who can. And just give him thanks. This house should be a house erupting with praise. I know your stories. I know where some of you have come from. 
You should be one of the loudest people I know, including myself. Holy Spirit, our prayer today, Lord, is that <laughs> we want to be, I guess I'll just start with my own heart, Lord, I'm sorry. God, I come with a heart of repentance that, Lord, I keep my eyes affixed on the issues and not the king. God, you're so good. You're so worthy to be praised. God, I don't want to be the nine. And I've been guilty of being the nine before. Lord, I want to be like the one brother, the Samaritan, the nobody who came back on his feet to give you thanks, Jesus. <laughs> You're so good. You're so worthy. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for how you've saved these sinners, how you've moved in every home, how you're moving even though I can't see it, how you're moving even though my attitude might suck, how you're moving when I don't think that anything is happening for my good. Thank you, God, that you're moving. Thank you, Jesus, that you're healing. Thankful to you, Jesus, that you are the sovereign God of heaven who knows better than I know for myself. Lord, I pray for every son and daughter in this room this morning. That Jesus, that you would move right now and bring, if it's conviction, then good. Even conviction is a blessing because it makes us turn our heart towards home. God, may we just start to cry out, every one of us, remembering that desperate place. Some of us have forgotten that you saved us and we didn't. You are the only author of salvation. You are the only one that can fix this thing that's driving me crazy. And you are worthy of my thanks and praise. Jesus, may you be glorified. 